And welcome, welcome, welcome to the Racial Summit, Mark, Malcolm and Martin. I don't know what to call this. Maybe it'll be the RC Report. I don't know how I will title this, but I think uh, given what Alan and I do, actively lazy, uh, given what we do in our personal lives and on Facebook and in the sports group, I think a lot of people in our lives and our circle and this fantasy circle we've created with the group, I think a lot of people want to hear what we have to say and value our opinions. And I know this is not sports. And I used to do more of this actually before I started uh, IBS and talked a lot about this with my cousin about issues that were going on. Um, I try to stay away from that because that's not what people want to hear. But I think things like this are really important. And also, I don't think this is politics. This is just humanity. And uh, so with that, I welcome my co-host. And I will say, Alan, Actively Lazy, a.k.a. IBS Jesus, what was your first takeaway when you saw the video of the police officer on George's neck? Um, well, first let me say, don't try to politic now, because we have some deep shit. You get a black man on the co-host, but you usually go to Joe Max or somebody <laughs> in these situations. <laughs> true, you just need me to mediate. I understand. I know my I know my role, man. It's cool. But um so I mean I, I always take it um I always take everything into consideration um when I'm looking at things like this. Uh because there are situations that are unfortunate where officers are put in situations where they have to use a certain amount of force that can result in somebody uh, being killed. And we have seen maybe out of the majority of the situations that we've seen uh, involving uh, black men and women uh, in the police that have been videoed, I would say only maybe one of those situations might have been somewhat questionable. Uh, in this case, it's, it's one of those things where I, I'm I don't use words like appalled and disgusted and stuff. That vocabulary is, is uh, above me. I was pissed off, man. It was some bullshit. Um, anytime you have anybody in a position where they're uh, cuffed and and they're assist, uh, essentially they can't resist, like what can you possibly do in a prone position and handcuffed besides roll over? You can't get up and run. You know, there's this three to four officers at the scene. You don't put your knee on anybody's neck, bro. Like that's that's some bullshit. Uh, the, the most disturbing part of that video is that nobody felt compelled enough to interfere. And I would assume it's because they also fear for their life, you know? Like, uh, we're, we're now in a society where people can do wrong, and it doesn't really matter. And it's not Trump's fault, but it's a reference to Trump. People can, can openly do some fucked up shit in public now, and people are afraid to say anything because of, of their author, authoritative position. Right is right and wrong is wrong. I don't give a fuck who you are. I mean, my father's a, a, a preacher, and 
he could do something wrong and I would call him out on it, you know? And, and I don't I don't understand why people fear people in, in authoritative positions when right is right and wrong is wrong, man. Like you you nobody should feel that they have to stand there and watch that. You know? And and again, I I'm not I'm not blaming it on, on cops, man, in general. I, I know good cops. I've got family and friends who are cops. Uh, likewise, I think a lot of people listening or around the country are in the same predicament where they have family and friends that are cops too. But at some point, you, you motherfuckers need to say something, yo. Like, something has to be done. Like, like this is all on the good cops as well as the bad cops, but it's, it's on them. That situation could have been prevented. He was on the ground for, what, seven to nine minutes, I think people were yeah, saying in this video? Yeah. Like, he was down there for a long enough time. The dialogue, the dialogue of him going through each time when he was asking for the dude to get up, he was saying he was uncomfortable, all these things. Like, somebody should have said something, whether it be bystanders. Like, well, they were. The people, the bystanders were something. saying. Physically, you can hear the bystanders them. saying it, but... But you got the people on it. I mean, you can't interfere with what a cop's doing, and they'll shoot. You know what I mean? So I can understand that. But man, I, I get, I, I get that. I get that. I get that risk, man. But at, at the in the same breath, in the same breath, how can you watch that? You know, like I, I don't know if I have it in me to watch somebody die in front of me. I, I don't know if I've got that in me. I'm sorry. I, I've interfered. With police duty before, um, in my younger days, um, I, I have an incident, and I and I'll share this, and it's the honest to God truth. Um, I a, a roommate, um, I'll just say his name was Robin. I'm not gonna put him out on blast like that. But we went to um, a party at, at the Lyric Center way back my freshman year. Shit got out of hand. There was a fight. The police pepper sprayed. Everybody comes running out the building, and, and it's really chaotic scene, right? So you got hundreds and hundreds of students running out the Lyric Center. People have already been fighting. And I mean, when we get out, bro, it looks like a, a scene from a movie. Like, they had the helicopter. They got police cars everywhere. And the cops are not there to, to defuse the situation. They're hitting people in full ride gear, hitting people as they're running out the fucking lyric center, right? So my roommate's from Maryland, and he's, he's fighting. I mean, he don't know any better. He's fucking fighting. My scary ass, because I mean, I'm from the backwoods of Virginia. I see cops with batons and shit. I'm running. I'm not trying to fight shit. You know, I'm heading for the exit. I go to leave and I see him getting dragged by police behind, uh, it's called Cabinets. Um, it's their uh, dorm down there. He was getting dragged back behind there. And I don't know if it was just youthful uh, like energy, but I followed them and they were beating his ass, Ronnie. Beating his ass. I'm talking to the point where you couldn't recognize his face. Stomping him, punching him, hitting him with batons and shit. And I instinctively ran. And I'm 265 pounds my freshman year. I've been working out and shit. Like, I'm a, I'm a collegiate athlete. I do shot pin distance. I'm not a small dude. I run over full steam and I knock over three of them. And they, like I said, they're in, in gear and shit. And all I could think of was once I hit the ground, I got to get him out of here. So I go to like, like try to drag him and get help him to his feet. I get hit with a baton. They started hitting and kicking me, right? Mm. So I'm more of a fighter than him. I put up as best best of a fight as I can, but I got handcuffed and we're sitting behind cabinets and these dudes are having a fucking conversation about what they're gonna do to us and what can they do with us. Especially the one talking about me, the one that jumped in. So all I could think of, bro, 
Because, I mean, I, I, at this point, I don't know. It, I mean, the shit's chaotic. It's cops everywhere. I asked the officer for his badge number because I took a class. I took a fucking law class. Mm. And the, the teacher was a young black lady. And she told us. And, and I kid you not, she kept the African-American man behind in class. And she told us that, that there's a difference between how we live and how they live. She said, you guys are not afforded the opportunity to live in this city. You are afforded the opportunity to survive. She was like, so I'm going to teach you basic fundamental rights that you have in order to survive. And it didn't dawn on me. I thought she was talking about, because I mean, all they ever teach is black on black crime. Something yeah, yeah. she's talking about how to maneuver around the hood. And I'm like, I don't understand any of this shit. This shit ain't going to help me in guilt in court. <laughs> so um, she was just teaching us. I, I, I kid you not, I wish I remembered her name, man, but she literally taught us like fundamental rights that you should ask the officer in a situation that's tense. And I kid you, ever since I've ever known that, and every time I've been in a situation and I've asked the officer for his badge number, all that shit stopped. All that shit stuff. And it's not gonna save everybody's life, but it's just, it just brings me to the point that I wanna put out there that I know we're gonna get into later. We have to think differently. We have to live differently, and it's not fair. And this is what all of this negative energy and animosity and, and protesting and, and some of the rioting, not all of it, we'll get to that too, but this is where that's coming from. So we, we, we are in a fortunate position where we can talk to white people and they'll listen to us in our, in our circle. They, they value our opinions. Um, and I've learned that over the last couple of days, people have reached out to us uh, privately and talk to us about things. So we're afforded that opportunity, but the majority of our people are not. So it's like, what do we do going forward? How do we get across to everybody that this is the reality that we live? We're not making this shit up. I don't have a reason to make that story up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't get anything out of that. But I've, I've experienced it, and that's just one experience. And I'm sure you've got stories, too. Yeah. We've all got stories, and it shouldn't be that way. I think my reaction was, like, when I saw it, I wasn't outraged. That was the saddest thing. I saw it, and I wasn't... Nothing a cop does to uh, a black man surprises me anymore. Nothing shocks me. I mean, I thought, obviously, that's a little extreme, what he was doing. But I didn't think it would cause all this because I'm so used to what happens over and over again. And like a school shooting, like I was a teacher for a long time. And then you hear about a school shooting and something that directly affects you. But eventually you just become jaded. And I just became jaded. There's so many things. And then the more it grew and I actually listened to the deep. And I think part of it too is the details. This man saying he can't breathe. This man calling for his mom. The fact that it's eight minutes and people are screaming and begging for the cop to just please get off of him. Uh, I think those things uh, meant a lot. Obviously, it's on video. The sad thing is that, and I was about to post this on Facebook, but the only thought I haven't posted, but it took a man literally murdering a white officer, murdering a black man in such an obvious way that a white supremacist couldn't say it was right for America to wake up. 
Like that is the people talk about white privilege and all that. For us to be believed, and this is build up too over time, but for us to be believed, we have to have like more evidence than there was against OJ. We have to catch the killer red handed on video. And there's still people that were excusing it. But for the most part, everybody is appalled. And so when you're looking at that kind of power dynamic, that's amazing to me. But getting past that, what do you think? Um, I want to hit some um, just some broad strokes and we can just talk about it. But when it comes to the protests and the rioting and the looting, I think my biggest deal, we can hit this here, is that obviously... It's wrong to loot, but do you understand it? You know, if you're uh, my son, this is a good example. My son, when he played football one year, he was a receiver and he was blocking. So he he got pushed in the back and the guy knocked him down in the back. Football. He was blocking somebody else or something, or I, I don't know if he pancaked or whatever he did. He did something legal to the guy. The guy pushed him in the back. My son got up. And pushed the guy over and made him like do like a, a backflip almost. Like he rolled over. And I was like, man, you know, he got baited into it, but it was understandable. And the referee went up to my son and said, I understand why you did what you did, but it's a double penalty. So it's kind of like that. I don't approve of the looting. I understand the looting. If I was a different person, I would be involved in some of the rioting, I don't know if I would be stealing stuff, but I definitely would be destroying some property. I I, I, I understand it. It's not productive. But also, guess what? White folks aren't the right people to say how we do things, especially when you don't care until it becomes a thing. You reinforce why they're looting and rioting because the only time you pay attention to it is when they do loot and riot. Yeah, um, they, I mean, it's, it's definitely got to be a broad show because there's so many different avenues with this argument. But um, one, I will say this. Um, we, or not even we, but certain group of black people tried to protest peacefully. They, they tried to organize. They, they tried to do it the Martin Luther King Jr. way that they all talk about. They wish that people would do. And they still face backlash and criticism and resistance. They tried for a couple of years. And then we got to see another black man killed by a white officer. Uh, and, it, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a white officer. We got to see another black man killed by the police. Because uh, Philando Castle wasn't killed by a white officer. And people were still just as outraged. But we got to see uh, another black man killed by an officer with excessive force. And and honestly, let's let's really be honest with ourselves about this situation. They had already laid down the foundation to let the, to get this guy off. Like they didn't even want to arrest them. First of all, I think and they lied. What, like four days before they finally arrested yeah, they him. They lied about what and happened. Then, and then and then the coroner, yeah, then the cause of death, according to their medical examiner or whatever, was like 
Oh, they, they were trying to say he had underlying health issues that, that could have resulted don't forget in that. about no, the possible no. intoxicants. So, don't, forget, don't ever forget about possible yeah, intoxicants. So, that was the biggest smear and slander. Not even that he was on drugs, that he just possibly was on drugs. Like, we just going to throw that out? You're the coroner. You can't check and see if he was on drugs. It's just possible intoxicants. Yeah. Like, why did you say that? Yeah, and being drunk in public is not a result. Of, like you shouldn't die because of that. Exactly. You shouldn't die because you forged some some uh, money either. If if he really did that, like none of these, like he wasn't even in the commission of a violent crime, so it shouldn't have been that much force needed. Uh, but in relation to uh, what you were talking about, I mean, I I look at it this way, I I wouldn't do it, but I do understand where it comes from and. I was explaining this to a friend today from from um, from a professional standpoint. Um, I work with young men uh, at times and young women at times who don't know how to effectively express themselves uh, without anger and rage. And one thing you can't do when they're heightened, I call it heightened, when they're in that mode where they can't think properly, you can't talk to them. You can't really reason with them. And you kind of have to let it run its course with, with obviously some, some form of control. Like I'm not letting them hurt themselves and I'm not letting them hurt other people, but with some form of control, you let it run its course and you get them back to a position where they're calmer. Then you can talk to them and, and go over the situation, learn from it, build from it, find out why they're this way or what made them this way. And then, work on that particular trigger so it don't happen again. So if we took this from a, a racial perspective for black people, we've never had our trigger acknowledged by white people. We've never really had that issue addressed in, in the form where it's healthy. And this is manifested for over 60 years, not, not over hundreds of years. But as far as like equality and the, and the, and the, and the fight for all that, like, I mean, it's been, it's, generations of hate man like my great 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 grandfather got smacked by a white man and he never got over it and he never got help and he hated that white man and he passed it on to his son who passed it on to his son who passed it on to his son and and so forth and so on and you have to acknowledge that that some of this shit that's going on bro ain't even got nothing to do with these kids man ain't got nothing to do with some of these black people because in all honesty by and large it's sad to say we're a whole lot better off now than, than our parents were at this age. Yeah. You know, and we can all agree on that. It's not perfect, but we, we have a better life. But you still got that same kind of anger and rage built in. And, and you have to ask yourself, why? Where does that come from? And and, and I mean, I we hear from what I call the, the sympathizers all the time. Like, well, you know. All my life, all my friends are black, or you know, I've loved you guys ever since I met you. This and that, yeah, but it's not about you. We not mad at you. Yeah, we not mad at you. If you ain't never dropped the n word, and you ain't you ain't out here trying to hold us back and shit like that. We're not mad at you. We mad at your parents, grandparents, and all these other hidden motherfuckers out here that 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 use the system and finesse it in a way that it that it prevents us all from from progressing. And um, I don't. I like I said, I don't condone it but yeah i understand and i think that's part of the problem that we see is that a lot of non-black people can't understand 
why people are so fucking mad. Like, they literally, people literally think that Martin Luther King Jr. was black Jesus. He died on the cross. And everything you're saying. He, he never rose from the dead, unfortunately. But everything got perfect. Everything got better after that. You got, like, prime example, in Virginia, they were one of the last states to desegregate, right? And everybody was like, well, you guys got desegregation. The, the black kids go to the school with the white kids. Wrong, bitch. The white people took motherfucking private schools and literally enterprised it, made it so that the white kids who didn't want to go to school with the black kids went to their own little private schools. They raised the bar financially to a point where black families couldn't afford it, and all the good teachers that were in the public schools went to the fucking private schools with the white kids. But they don't teach you that in your school, bro. They don't teach us that shit. And that's the shit that pisses me off, and it's part of our fucking history. It's part of the American history, bro. That is what we have in this country. And we can't get anybody, anybody to understand why we're so mad. I got a good fucking life, bro. My son's probably gonna have a good fucking life, too. But it's not about us. It's about the fucking culture. And that's the shit that pisses me off. I can't get it across to anybody to understand that shit. That's true. It's it's what happens so many times in these dialogues with white people. And part of it is the education system because they pretty much stop your education of race after Martin Luther King. And it's like, oh, now we all go to the same schools. But we're not going to look at redlining. We're not going to look at uh, where a lot of people, I I would say the average white person that wants to talk to you about race doesn't even know what redlining is, where you basically restrict where black people can live. You deny them for loans and all these kind of things. That The discrimination in every, Mm -hmm. the system, I try to get it to a bigger conversation, that the system is set up to be racist and you have to unpack the system and look at the system and see things about the banking industry, hiring practices, uh, the police policing, uh, what else would be the prison reform system? You look at every single dynamic in this country, it's somewhat in the system, the structure of this country. Racism is the air we breathe, so it's not so much about white people being racist against you personally, it's them ignoring and benefiting from a system and acting like everything is supposed to be okay with us when I have to go through a checklist just to not be harassed by somebody or the police every day. Like, I've been taught to always get my receipt. I've been taught when I go in the store, never put your hands in your pocket so you won't be accused of certain things. Or when you apply for jobs or when Mm -hmm. the police stop you. There are all these things that we're living in a substandard way compared to our peers. And you can look at every stat. It comes out with the police. It's pretty obvious. Two times, 2.5 times more likely to have some kind of violence against us with the police. But that's not, it's the implicit bias that people, it's two things. It's the system and it's implicit bias. It's people stereotyping black people and not knowing that they're doing it and not knowing that they're treating a black person different. And it's a system that is in place that set up to discriminate against black people, but then they say, okay, we're going to stop discriminating, but then those white people, and again, we're not talking about all white people, y'all. We're talking about the white people that are the problem, but those white people found ways around it and developed layers to the system. So when you look at gentrification or redlining or what you're talking about, the private schools and white flight and all these things that were done to every time that a black person was acknowledged by the law from slavery to the uh, civil rights and overcoming Jim Crow laws, the bad white people, the racists, 
found a way to continue to oppress. This is factual stuff, not just making yeah. it up. And the drug laws, even. Yeah. But I'll let you go because I ran it. And, and, yeah. And, yeah, and and the greatest trick that they ever accomplished were, was convincing the the other white people who are not who honestly are not racist that this is the way it is. This is the this is the way it should be. Like this is the American way. That shit right there, bro. That little phrase, the American way, has has covered for this racist ass country for so long. The American way, like literally everything about the American way from the from the start of this goddamn country to today is rooted in racism. And if you speak out on it, if you speak out on it, you're the bad you guy. You got black people that will tell you that you're not American, you know. And and it's like it's like a it's like a, a brainwashing that they've that they've done um, through propaganda and, and and everything else, and people are kind of numb to it. Like I, it took it took um, everything for me to to um, finally convince. Like my aunt, my aunt lived. She lived in Gilpin Court for a while. She moved out. Um, but she's been in the Richmond area for a long time. So, and, and I've been up here in the Richmond area with her for a long time. But I couldn't convince her that gentrification was real. She was really convinced that, that no, these, they're, they're making the city a better place. I said, no, aren't, they're pushing black people out. She's like, no, they're not. There's still black people here. I said, they don't live here, though. Like, that's the thing. Like, that, that used to be a barbershop. That used to be a footlocker. Like that used to be the corner store, you know? Like these these were were like pillars of your community and now they're gone. And it's a new bus line and a new bike trail and and and, and everything looks nice. Prime example of gentrification. Washington DC, bro. Washington DC. I used to go to DC and you could hear fucking go go from the, the damn bridge all the way into Maryland, man. They got a fucking war on go-go now in D.C., basically. People trying to get rid of it. Like, when, like they used to put go-go on loudspeakers out, like, just people, like, stores and shit, and they're trying to get rid of it. I went to D.C., bro. I ain't never seen so many white people jogging and running there in the day, man, in areas that I know for a fact that they just would not do that shit in normally. To the point where we went to comedy shows and people were making jokes about it. And every, like the white people were laughing and stuff, but I'm like, yo, there's truth to these jokes, man. Like gentrification is a real thing. And it's literally on the backbone of what you were talking about, redlining. Like that's what started it. And once people finally overcame redlining, redlining a little, they basically pushed black people out and moved white people back in because it's, it's better now, you know? Like, damn, man. Like, we can't win in this country, honestly. Uh, like, every single step we've ever tried to take for progress has been resistance. And when we when we take two steps forward, they, they move the goalposts further. I, I know you like to use that analogy a lot in, in our sports talk. <laughs> they move the goalposts further. Move the goalposts further. Like, everything that we have to accomplish, uh, if you don't have sports or entertainment, it's a hard road, bro. It's a hard road. Think about our prominent black people now. Like when when our parents were growing up, they had musicians and they had mm -hmm. uh, athletes as well. There were other people like you know the the um, Martin Luther Kings and things like that. But people were activists. The the preachers and and other community leaders played a prominent role. Like they like people would, were just more unified and organized. And and we can't get people to see how systematically through 
systematic uh, oppression and and the war on drugs and, and other little nuances in our in our laws that targeted certain people, man. It target it targeted certain people. And it wasn't always targeting black people, but the structure for a black home has been torn up for decades, decades. And, and it's, 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 to me, it's obvious. I don't know if it's because I'm black or, or if it's just a lot of these people are in denial, but it's obvious, man. And so to, to stick to the topic of today, today, what you see on TV now is a representation of people being ignored for over 60 fucking years and their kids picking up that trauma and their kids picking up that trauma and their kids picking up that trauma and then to some point where somebody got sick and tired of this shit and wanted to do something about it. And it's not not the right thing to do. Yeah, you don't want to be tearing up businesses and things like that, but what the fuck do you want them to do? They tried everything else. Now you're listening. Now they now you got their attention. And they're willing, some of these people are willing to die for that. And that's where I come in because I don't want anybody to die for it. I think we can resolve this in a way where nobody has to die anymore, hopefully. But at the end of the day, I can't I, there's nothing we can do. We don't have leaders anymore. You killed them all. Yeah. Yeah, I do think, and I think we both were raised in a very <laughs> Uh, at least structured church environment. And I think the decline of church in America yeah. in general and the decline of the black church, that's where all the leadership came. And then I think when you have, honestly, hucksters like Jesse Jackson and, and Reverend Al Sharpton, like a lot, and also prosperity preachers, but just in general, where you see that they profited off of that, we no longer went to the church as that source to gain the equality and the rights. And so I think that's weakened our leadership. And then you got athletes trying to lead it a few politicians it's just you know that hurts but i wanted to shift to white people i I wanted to look at and we could just vent and talk about our frustrations and again if you're listening we're talking about some white people but i'm not gonna freaking say some white people every time you know what kind of white people we're talking about when we're talking about this if you're listening to this pod you're probably not that kind of white person most likely but so one of the things that bothers me. And I had some, per- I didn't even tell you some of the, the half of it with that confrontation on my page, but I'll, I'll tell you that in private. But um, I think at this point, you have to be trying to be willfully ignorant. Now, you will never know what it's like to be a black man or woman, but you have to be willfully ignorant not to understand on some level what's going on. And what's funny to me is how hard some white people will work to protect the status quo. And I finally am just tired of arguing with those certain kind of white people. And I just won't tolerate it. I won't let them move off the subject. So if, if I tell you about police brutality, you say, oh, well, you kill your own, blah, 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 blah. Hey, wait a minute. That, that's not what we're talking about. Like, if we want to discuss... You don't really care about black-on-black crime. You want to take me off of it, which black-on-black crime is a myth, and we can look at that. And and basically it started with white supremacists kind of putting that line out there to defer. But it, it doesn't even matter. If every black person was at war with every other black person, it would still be wrong for government officials to be treating us poorly. White people get mad when they can't get their haircuts, when they can't buy their guns, 
We're asking not to be killed by the police on routine traffic stop or when we commit misdemeanors. That's a ba- We're talking about basic fundamental rights. What a citizen does to another citizen is on a lower level than the very foundation of how our society is structured. And to compare the two is asinine. I, I like to tell people all the time, and, and they get mad, but listen, you sworn enough to protect, right? When the military goes out to war and they shoot citizens, whether it be by accident or intentionally, they don't get off. They don't get off. And, they, and even if they do get off, they at least go through a process. They don't get administrative leave or none of that shit. They, they get at least some kind of consequence, and there's a thorough investigation, and, and they hold them accountable more often than not. We can't even get that shit domestically, man. Like we can't, we can't get that shit domestically. Like we can count on one hand how many times an officer has has had a high profile uh, killing of a minority and and got in trouble for it. Like that shit's crazy. And then too, I get tired of hearing about black on black crime because like it, it's just two different genres. It has nothing to do with what police are doing. Like they're profiling and targeting. Black men, it's in the data. It, and like, like, like I tell people all the time, I got an overmate. He's from Backwoods, Connecticut, man. Ain't never experienced racism. I took his ass with me to Amherst County. We experienced that shit within 10 minutes of getting over the county line, Ronnie. 10 minutes of getting over the county line. I stopped at a, at a dumpster to dump some trash. Dude came out, saw him at the car, talked to him, saw me, and told us we had to go. Whole <laughs> tune change. Wow, and I and I knew I and this is the funny part. No, but they, I, and I'm so serious about this. I knew that I couldn't stop there because they didn't like black people. But I wanted him to see that mm. shit, bro. I wanted him to feel the difference in the tone change, and not and not have me tell him, "Oh, that's racist." I wanted him to notice that shit. I sat around behind that car, basically like I I had something to do, and I was just listening to their conversation. And he talked to him for five minutes. It was the cheeriest shit ever. The minute I shut that trunk and he saw me, everything changed. Everything changed. And I wanted him to experience that because that is a reality that we face. And until we can get white people to be open about that and admit that openly, I don't really think anything can change, man. I really don't. And it's sad to say, uh, I, I think a lot of people are drowning out the real cries for help that we have with this Antifa thing and 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 all this other stuff. Like I've I've seen a lot of conservative voices making this into a liberal thing. Yeah. No, bro. Racism is not liberal. It's not democratic. It's not anything. It's it's the fabric of America. It's yeah. everybody. I don't give a damn if the if the Democrats started the Klan. If they started it, the Republicans took it over. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's the same thing, man. It's the same thing. We got we got a black faced governor and we got uh mayors calling people the N-words and shit like that. Like politicians are running for for uh, like high offices talking about stringing people up with nooses and shit. And we this is the 21st century. You know, it, like our president is using coded language to Barely races that he don't language. even realize. I don't even I honestly don't think he realizes no, or he knows doesn't. what he's saying, but he's actually saying it. I showed you a screenshot today of a conversation I had with somebody online that's from my county. This is a real person. And she said, 
she thought that like she was like the protesters need to get hoses put on them and she honestly had no clue according to her of the context of what that meant to black people why are y'all calling me racist when my she said when my kids get in the fights i squirt them with the water gun <laughs> that is not the same, not bro. The same yeah. and i'm like and i and i was i was it went from me being mad at her to me being like really like pitying her. And I do, I pity a lot of races, man. And I think, and I really think that we as a, as a culture have, have progressed enough that we're in a better position to put ourselves in positions of authority um, and, and to educate the masses, but it has to be uniform. It has to be structured and it has to be consistent. Our parents failed us, yo. Their generation failed us, man. They didn't progress anything, really. They they went off the, the hard-earned work of their parents and, and that generation of the civil rights movement. And the minute Martin Luther King and, and other community leaders died off, we got left with the Al Sharpton's and the Jesse Jackson's that were taking profit on, on the plight of black America, taking profit, taking profit. And we... And we got led astray, bro. We didn't have any structure. So, like, we need that back. We got to have something. I don't know who, where it comes from. It, it, and I know a lot of people turn their back on the church, and, and we grew up in the church and everything. That's to each their own. I don't think religion needs to be brought into this argument. This needs to be a, a humanitarian like type approach. Like, this needs to be me coming to you as a, as, a, as a human being, as a person, not me coming to you as a Christian or a Muslim or anything like that. It don't, I don't even care if you're gay. I don't care about none of that stuff, bro. We need to take all that out the equation and focus on the real agenda, which is how do we make this better for black people, white people, and everybody else involved? How do we stop becoming targets? Like, the, the statistical information that you shared online, man, and what I was reading, it's, it's just, it's worse than I thought. It's ridiculous. And, and people can actually know, deny it. At this yeah. point, you can't, that's what I put on my post. I said, you can't deny the evidence. But a lot of people, especially white men, if you share the evidence with them, A, they're going to debate it to death and try to discredit it. Why you want to discredit it, I don't know. Well, maybe I do know. But they always want to discredit it. But yet they never bring up evidence to the contrary, they just want to, when I used to have these discussions years ago, I would go back and forth with these people, give them all the evidence, and then they would take what I would say and then try to break it down, but not present your own information that is not happening. So that's one thing. But now the information is so overwhelming that you can't deny it unless you just want to deny it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, I, at this point, honestly, you, you have to literally not want to see it in order to not see it. And and I mean, there's 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 so many people that listen to these talking heads, and and you know, I we just briefly talked about it before we got on air. But there's the Rush Limbaugh's and things out there, the white people who do have influence that will sit here and tell you they don't see white privilege and, and bounce around it and. and flip to some political agenda and it's like, dude, no, man, no, 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 no. It's there. It's there. And and to the to the white people who who like grew up like us and, and didn't didn't get afforded those opportunities, I'm sorry. I mean, I hate to sound mean, but fuck it. Your people failed you because y'all had a head start. I don't know what to tell you. That's how it is in this country, man. Unless you were unless you're an immigrant if, if you can trace your roots 
through this country? Like, your people came here and, and fought the Revolutionary War, Civil War, and all that shit, and you got lineage all the way through? There's no reason for anybody to be behind, like, black people in general, man. The way the, the, way the system has been set up for generations, Generations. Yeah. Let me get some stats on that. Like, we, keep, we, we keep referring to it. I'm just going to run down some of the stats. Just some of the stats. Go ahead. Okay. So, uh, and I posted this. This is actually from BenandJerry.com. They do a lot of social stuff, but this this is like the best list I've seen of it. Okay. So, African Americans are twice or two times as likely to be unemployed. That may be because, as one study found, job applicants with white-sounding names get callbacks about 50% more of the time than applicants with black-sounding names with identical resumes. Also, people with distinctively black names get less positive reviews from property owners on Airbnb. Education. Uh, Let's see. African-Americans make up nearly 50% of school suspensions. Black students are three times more likely to be suspended for the same infractions. You'll see that trend, folks. It's the same standard, but black people are treated differently. Overall, black students represent 16% of the student enrollment and 25% of the students referred to law enforcement. And once black children are in the criminal system, and you know about this, there are 18 more times more likely than white children to be sentenced as adults. Uh, Let's see. Black people Hey, so can I I say something about that Go ahead. So, so... I have to interject right there. Shout out to Virginia for this one thing that they did do right. In the juvenile justice system now, they did come up with a standardized matrix that now has guidelines that are very, very strict to the sentencing that you can have for specific class infractions, so misdemeanors and felonies and so forth. And they've, and they've really reduced the uh, disparities in, um, in, in the, the race and genders all across the state. Like it, it did take some time, but it got implemented. Um, it got implemented gradually last summer, and it's fully in effect statewide in January. And here we are. Um, and and like we're almost at the halfway point. And like I know for a fact in my district alone, it's, it's made great changes. And I'm pretty sure across the board, once they put out the data, it'll show that too. So at least our state has tried Progress, to, yeah. to address that. But you are correct. Yeah, it is correct. All right, so let me see where we were. We were still in the criminal justice system. All right, so it says, if if a black and white person each commit a crime, the black person has a better chance of being arrested. It's also true that once arrested, black people are convicted more often than white people. And for many years, laws assigned much harsher sentences for possessing, this was the biggest example, possessing crack cocaine, for example, compared to or possessing crack, for example, compared to cocaine. And it's the same thing. It's just like, I can't remember, but it's like the powder or cooked or whatever. But it's basically, it's again, it's the same thing. Black people are convicted. They are 20 times, no, 20% more likely to be sentenced to jail time. They typically see sentences 20% longer than those of whites who were convicted of similar crimes. Right now in America, more than 7.4% of adult African-American population is disenfranchised compared to one8 of non-African, non-African American population, meaning they had a conviction or something like that. But that's just some of the stats, and it's just daunting. And you can look at all of these studies where they had the same kind of control group, basically, where the white people and the black people are doing the same crimes, the same behaviors, and it's treated differently. And white people 
the white people are talking about are just blissfully unaware. But think about why you might be blissfully unaware. Because if you're blissfully unaware because you don't want to admit to yourself that maybe, and this is not what I focus on, but maybe you had some advantages. I try to focus on being real and say, hey, they're treating black people poorly. Help us come up. Not even focus on your advantages. But that's the reason why you don't want to admit what's happening because you benefit from it. Yeah, I mean, low key, a lot of people don't, and, and I think that's just part of them, just not really. I guess, I guess, I guess you could say if somebody, if you've been living a lifestyle that you thought or was convinced that it was was the proper way of living, and somebody came along and just blew your world asunder and told you that everything you were doing was wrong, like what if, like I think from a Christian standpoint, what if everybody. That, that was a Christian found out that really what they were doing was the complete opposite of what God wanted. They would be blown away and, and, and probably be in denial and, and reject whatever is considered the actual proper way. Like that's that's just the nature of the beast in America. We reject information that doesn't agree with our way of life. And to to achieve equality, I mean you, you think about the way capitalism is set up, the way our our, our way of life in general is set up you the people on the bottom boost the people up top like it's hard to really climb to the top from the bottom and people sell you this american dream but the people who are selling you the american dream are the ones at the top and then they're also secretly holding you back from getting to where they are <laughs> yeah. because they don't want to share like that i mean it's, it's, just, it's just, that's essentially what it is like a lot of these people who who do make it out of 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 the hood or wherever they're they're from, it, and this doesn't necessarily have to be white or black related. But financially, when they do come up, they don't want somebody else to make it. And if you gotta, if like white people have always been established, and they don't want to shake that establishment, they don't want to share that. They don't want to share that power, and and, and it's just it's just a fear because ultimately what they do is they look out for their own. They look out for the next white guy. And we, we jokingly call it what the good old boy system. Mm-hmm. I mean, but it's true. It's true. Like, that's just how it is. And and um I mean, we I guess at some point that's probably a different conversation. Black people could kinda of do that as they wanted to, but we've seen throughout history when, when that has been attempted, and I don't want to bring it up necessarily, but I mean the anniversary of, of an event that took place on May thirty first, Black Wall Street, man, I mean, you know. These things really happen, and they don't even teach that in school. I didn't, yeah, even, I didn't know even know about, about it until Facebook, I, I, maybe five so, years ago, maybe seven years ago. Yeah, no, look. So let me tell you. Let me tell you how I found out about it. I found out about it. I was twenty. I think I was about twenty. I did door to door sales in Mississippi. Don't want to talk about why I was down there, but I did it anyway. Door to door sales in Mississippi, and I was having a rough day, and I and I stopped to do a, a, a sale in a house that was just run down. The people couldn't afford it anyway. Uh, and it was a black family living out the car slash home. Like, it was just a bad situation. And, I, I mean, I've always been a kind-hearted dude anyway. So I said, fuck it. I made enough money today. I'll foot the bill. I'll give you the educational books to the kids, you know what I'm saying, so they can use it. And, and I'll just charge it to myself, right? And the lady thanked me or whatever, and she was sharing some information with me. And her family, her family, were direct descendants of people from Black Wall Street. And she shared that wow. story with me because it was passed down to her. 
And I kid you not, bro, I thought this lady was a nut job. I was like, okay, cool. Thanks, lady. All right, bye. And I held on to that story till I got back to D.C. at the end of the summer, and I Googled it. And I was blown away, like, oh, this shit really happened? And I told my dad, who was, obviously, he's older than me, and he didn't even know about it. Mm. And it's crazy. Like, this, that's a significant moment in history. It's one of the, the worst race-related, like, conflicts that we've had in, in our nation's history. And it was never taught to me in school, you know? And, and just and, and again, it's just another example of little things that are buried in our, in our society, in our history that we don't know about, man. And a lot, and it's not promoted. It's not talked about. To be a black person is to have to search for everybody. It's not racial. Everyone wants to know where they come from. Everybody wants to be proud of their heritage. But our heritage was stolen, and so we can't trace it. And everybody said, "Oh, I'm just doing a genealogy." Well, I'm always resentful of that. I'm like, "Well, my genealogy only goes to the boat." You can go to Europe, you can go wherever, and you can figure it out. Mine stops at the shores of, of Jamestown or wherever. And and then when we got here, the people that we have to be proud of is so far in in between as far as what you see in society, what it's given to you. You got to search. And the people that we are allowed to be proud of are acceptable to white people. And so we don't get that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, what I want to switch to real quick was the misuse yeah. of Dr. Dr. Martin Luther King, his quotes, his name. <laughs> this is the this is the new weapon of choice is to quote Dr. King as if Dr. King somehow was easy on racism. He was enemy number one of the racists, and when they say this nonviolent resistance. Y'all, y'all, the people, not all white people, the people at the time beat the shit out of him and the people he's with. Are you proposing that we take that tact as well? <laughs> and you killed him. Well, it's the silliest shit of all time for, for and, I, and I'm I'm not really trying to be racist. I'm, I'm, I'm being as nice as possible as I can about this, but don't ever in your fucking life try to quote Martin Luther King to me. And, and tell me what he what he did, what he meant. Ninety percent of this man's legacy is fabricated through white people. They wrote the history books. We make a joke about it all the time, but it's a real quote. Goddamn it! The victors write history. Yeah. Why would we listen to you? Why would we listen to you? Why would I listen to you telling me about this? Why would I let a fucking state? that didn't want to desegregate schools anyway, give me a hand-me-down textbook to tell me about my leader and what he did for me and, and how he was so good. Look, man, if if motherfucker, if the white people like it, I mean, I hate, to, like, I'm, I hate to say it like this, but if they really like it and they support it, it's got to be something wrong. There's a catch to that shit. There's a catch to it. Historically speaking, there is a catch to that shit. And and again, we can go through the list of, of things where there's been, a, historically speaking, there's been a catch to the to the, the white man's support of anything dealing with black progress. There is a fucking catch. So there's a catch when they speak so highly of Martin Luther King. And the catch is, is they don't want to tell you about how they really viewed him during that time. And they don't want to tell you 
about how he was basically shifting in his mindset and getting taking a harder stance on the quiet white people, the ones yeah. who didn't want to speak up to their other white peers and support the movement. Like the, the ones is the basically I make this joke all the time, the ones that are like, hey, you're cool, but you can't date my sister. Those people, mm -hmm. those people are the ones that he was really starting to, to take a hard line on. And a lot of the shit he said was when he got arrested and stuff. And I mean, bro, what what do you like what do you really want me to take from the idea that I'm supposed to march hand in hand while you hose me down and sit dogs on me and beat me? What the f Man, Martin Luther King is a saint, and everybody else who took that shit is a saint. I'd have died that day. I'd have died fighting. Like, you're never going to put your hands on me and think that shit's cool. And that's basically what you got now with the new Negroes. We're not going for that. Like, we're just not. So, essentially, like, all this, this shit that people be talking about, how Martin Luther King doing anyway and stuff, that's kind of dead now. Like, we can't, we can't really, we can't really, we don't have that luxury. To, to act like that. You're not even going to give us a chance anyway. So, like, if damned if I do and damned if I don't, I'm just going to do it. And and that's the mentality of these young people and why they're running around being combative. Yeah. Like, that's why this type of movement scares you because the energy is different. Yeah. Martin Luther King had a, had a, a energy that was positive and, and, and somewhat loving and, and, yes, it was peaceful. This is more of Malcolm. And that shit scares people. It really does. Because Malcolm will let you know, like you put your hands on me, I got I got a clip for you. Yeah. And your partner. And your and your sister, brother, uncle, whoever else. You know? And 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 I think that scares a lot of people. But yes, I get very, very offended when, when somebody does that. Especially people that I know who spew ignorant, racist, borderline things and they try to tell me how I'm supposed to think and stuff like that. Like not. Nah. Because Dr. King, nah, bro. Because your Dr. King isn't my Dr. King. Exactly. You you only have the I have a dream speech and you don't quote, you don't mm -hmm. look at the context of what he was saying and how he was saying it and whatever. And you want, looking at the color, you want to use the content of the character, not the color of the skin, to defend you when it clearly was a reference. The whole context of the dream speech was how black people were disenfranchised and his dream was for us to be treated equally. He was, You already are treated equally by society if you're white. He's not talking about you. You try to make it a broad stroke when he's saying we march hand in hand. You know why we can't hold hands? Because it, it was illegal to do so. We were segregated. He's saying graft us in. Not you get the rights, because you already got the rights. But what I will say about the Dr. King method, and I don't think people should be beat in the streets or anything like that, but I do think in order to... Yeah. It's still a racist society. And in order for there to be progress, mm -hmm. we, aren't, we make 13% of the population. We aren't going to have an uprising or a resistance that's violent that's going to work. We have to have white allies. And when yeah. I shape my arguments... I shape my arguments mostly to white allies to convince them to come to our side because without them and without their power structure and the fact that we're 13%, we don't have a chance. And I do understand that some black people that take the Malcolm approach. But I think if you look historically, if you look at the record, yeah. the Martin Luther King approach, I'm not saying again, get beat the shit out of, but the, the approach of not alienating white people that could be on your side is more effective 
than alienating. You feel better, but you don't get as much progress. Yeah, so look, I'm I'm along the same lines, bro. I'm, I'm Martin all day, every day, and see you make me become Malcolm. And then once you once we go there, I ain't going back to Martin. So just anybody listening, anybody know uh, who knows me personally, if you think you know me personally, I'm I'm with the shits, man. So I try to keep it cool. I definitely agree. We have to have some kind of of understanding, and we have to work together as a whole. And and we have to get there first. We're not there yet. So. Before we get there, let me talk, which is basically my biggest complaint with white people. Hear me out. Let me talk. Hear what I got to say. Before you go running trying to fix things that you think will make it work, listen to what I'm saying, and then you can really actually fix the things that need to be fixed. Don't do it because you you think that's what we need or this, this will actually help because this helped you. No. Listen to what we want or what we need. Um, but I always find it very funny. And this is my thing to do with people when they tell me about Martin Luther King. Ask them, what do they remember about Martin Luther King? And typically, you hear people talk about the I Have a Dream speech, right? Ask them about the letters from the Birmingham jail. Yeah, they don't like so nobody about know about that. And you know why? Because those were the critical letters. Those, that was the critical Martin of, of the, the white man. And not the white man, the enemy, but the white man that was the ally, you know? So uh, they definitely don't, again, they don't teach that to you. You got to find that out for yourself. But, um, yeah, we don't make up enough of the population. This race war thing is really stupid. A lot of people got white friends and family and things like that. And, and like I said, I said this way in the beginning, no matter what we say, it's still better now than it used to be. But we're still not where we need to be. So this idea that that we're going to Nat Turner this shit is just dumb. Like, we, we don't live in that time anymore, man. We, we don't, we can't. You would have people literally out here turning around to, to, to smack their, their friend or somebody that they literally took sink baths with and it'd just be too destructive. Like, it's, it's just stupid. Like, I got two, like, two white guys in my wedding party, man. They're like my best friends. Like, I would never turn on them. It is what it is. Like, so we have to work together to find the common ground and it starts with education, I think, and not education from textbooks, but education from experience, which a lot of people don't know. They don't know because they don't know black people. They just don't. Yeah. They didn't really grow up around a lot of them, and then the few that they did grow up with, by that time, that they're established, and then they, they become the people that I'm talking about that want to hold other people back from making progress, so they don't they don't have those same problems, and and they grow up in their in their little areas and in and, and that lifestyle. And I hate to make fun of the guy because I don't really know him, but the Russell Wilsons, they they that's basically who they are. Yeah. And and that becomes the persona of what a black person is. But so many white people don't understand there's so many different levels to black people and, and, and what we are as a society. And they'll they'll call you people like you and me uh black, but they're not black friends will call us white and in, in actuality we probably more blacker than they are yeah <laughs> it's just we're just different about it and 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 I, and I say that in the sense of of what we mean to the culture and what the image of the culture used to be what used to be black black image now is is aggressive it's a it's thuggish it's it's, it's, it's just a bunch of fucking ignorance and and we've allowed that as a society to, to become our image because of, of the people that we allow to speak for us or portray us 
uh, through Hollywood and things like that, we've allowed that to, to happen. And, and we, we kind of, um, we kind of praise it, build it up. Like, yeah, that's what we are, you know? And then when that turns around and, and, and becomes some backlash towards us, because that image of the aggressive, violent, uh, black person is now leading to people being killed. We want to cry wolf, but we don't take the responsibility for aiding that a little. And I, and I think when, and, and that message doesn't get a lot of positive response when you preach it to other black people, but it's true. Like, We've hurt this cause just as much as we've helped it. So we've got to kind of steer it back to that direction of more positivity, more more of of building and uplifting and and things like that. Because there are people who who look a certain way, but they're not that way. And and we need those people to speak up. We need those people to be the the leaders in their communities and start small and then work it through a a, a national scale. Do you think that this time is any different I definitely didn't think it the first couple of days, but as it spread literally across the world, but definitely across the country, even in little Williamsburg, they had a little demonstration. And I know in our city, Richmond, Virginia, they had mm-hmm. demonstrations that got not violent. There's a difference between violence and looting too. But do you think that this time will be any different or will we all just get mad and angry? It'll simmer down and we move on and then we'll get outraged again in six months when there's the next shooting. Now, I think, I think this time will be different because um, there's a lot more free time because of the COVID stuff and how things are, are shut down in states. I'm, I'm pretty sure states are, are like working super fast to get people back to work so they can, they can have a reason not to be home. But um, I think this time is different too because the, the, white, the white man supremacy slash ignorance has a face that everybody recognizes because he won't shut the fuck up. Trump won't let it go, man. He won't let it go. He tweets something every day and make it worse. Or, or he comes out and says something stupid and makes it worse. Like, he he can't be diplomatic enough to, to unify the country. And because of that, it'll always gradually get worse. He doesn't know when to quit, man. And, and it'll be that way until election season. And if he gets reelected, it'll probably be another incident or, or more of an uprising. And his idea of fixing it is to meet the aggression with aggression and you just can't do that. And and that's probably his biggest downfall as a leader is that he, he lacks that compassion yeah. to really understand where people are coming from he when there's no a time empathy. of need. He just and, can't get it. And he, yeah, and he doesn't and he doesn't listen. And regardless of how he feels, the people around him don't have that same energy, man. They want to get reelected. They're getting pressure from from people in their in their states and, and communities and things like that. So, like, I mean, you've heard rumbling of senators and things like that, kind of like having issue with how he's handled the situation and things like that. Like, we, I think it'll, I think this is different because there's no there's no leader to to throw like some water on the flames. There's only gasoline coming. From leadership and, and therefore I think that makes it different. I think I don't think because because one of the problems is I'm solution based. So one of the problems is I don't hear anyone Killer Mike had a good uh talk and that was practical, but I don't hear anybody doing anything but expressing outrage. 
and the the old saying, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. But all this anger and no one seems, and I'm speaking generally, to have ideas of how to improve it. And our last, my last question will be solutions. But when I see that, I wonder where it's going to go. You know, and I don't think we have the leadership in this country, black, white, whatever. We don't have that type of leadership to actually affect change. Our system is broken and we see it in so many ways. We see it with COVID. We see it uh, just with, with what Congress can't do in general. We, we see that. And I think the fact that our system is broken and the corruption that we see, even with the coroner's report and even with that uh, Minneapolis Police Department lying about what happened at first, our system is broken from the local to the national level. And I don't think... I don't think we can enact change. The only thing I think that will be different is the hearts and minds. Black people are fed up and a lot of white people, I've never seen this many white people, have their mind changed and wake up to the reality of how black people live. And that is a positive long-term thing. Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's been a lot of people who have spoken up and they didn't need to. It made themselves look really stupid. And <laughs> they should just let it go. If you don't understand, and this is a message to all white people, racist and not racist. If you don't understand the emotion, if you don't understand where it's coming from, just ask. There's plenty of black people out here right now willing to have a conversation with you, whether online or in person, to explain to you why they feel the way that they feel or why the people you see on TV are doing some of the things that they're doing on TV. But for God's sake, stop talking. Stop talking. For too long, you've talked about other people's problems, how to fix them, but you don't really fix them. And that's why we're in this situation. That's why we have these problems in this country. The, the country has been always run by white people. So who else are we supposed to blame? And then y'all don't even want to take the blame. Y'all like, well, you should do this. You should do that. We can't. <laughs> you know? Like, we can't. We can't fix our neighborhoods. We can't We can't make our lives better. We, we, we can't stay out of jail and things like that. Because, they're, again, they're, the structure of this country is, is done in a way that it's easier for us to fall into these traps. So, I mean, there's, this, there's that video... Of, of like people running track and like how the white people got a head start and then it's like it, it has a timer and holds the black people from running and it goes through the parts of history that holds black people back and then by the time black people are able to take off the race is almost over and and that's such a symbolic way of how our lives really are but it doesn't have to be that way but it will be that way until you shut the fuck up and listen that's it like, that's as blunt as I can say it. Shut up and listen. Listen to what these people are saying when they're tearing up shit. Listen to what these people are saying when they're protesting. Listen to what they're saying when they're spray-painting fuck 12 and all this and that. There is a reason behind all of this. And you guys are still making the same mistakes and not listening. You need to listen. I think, uh, and, this, and, I, and I tease this, so let's, let's do it. I think uh, solutions. I think 
one solution, at least for police, I think, and Obama, not to be political, but after Ferguson, he did establish a task force and tried to modernize the police force. Unfortunately, Trump pushed that back because he's in that traditional, and it's not even Trump's fault, because when he grew up, it was all about law and order. And a lot of times the law and order uh, era punished black people. But there was a lot of crime in the 90s and in the 80s. And now the crime rates are at an all-time low in the United States. So some of that worked. But the byproduct of that law and order was unfairly punishing or too harshly punishing African-Americans. So that's just what he knows. He wants to go back to that law and order instead of being... Um, and, and there are older black people that are like that too, you know. But I think you got to modernize policing. You got to change. And some police forces had been doing this. You see the police out there playing basketball with the kids, being more community agents than just there to arrest people. And police officers, I will say in the last 10 years, they've made strides. Police departments in different places have really made strides to be community resources and be a part of it. But it's not enough. They need implicit bias training. You need to examine the biases. You need to not police the black neighborhoods more than you police the white neighborhoods. Now, if there's calls, you go there. But black people are 30 percent, I think I had to look at it, but it was like 30 percent more monitored than white people. The likelihood, the fact that you suspect a black person of doing a crime more often than you do a white people, even though every stat out there almost shows that black people and white people commit crimes at the same rate, but it's enforced differently. Those things we got to get at structurally, how black people are viewed in the subconscious of white people and especially white people in power. Yeah. Definitely, man. Um, I agree with all that, and and I, I I don't know how we get them to understand that, but I do know that where where you're at right now is is what I'm trying to get to. But I I can't get off of what we as a people need to do first and foremost. Like we we have to take advantage of the opportunities given to us by the sacrifice of people who came before us. Not necessarily our parents, but the civil rights movement and, and, and things like that. Like I, I hate to see that go be, or have been done in vain. Like we used to stand for something as as a uh, as a as a culture and it was more than just rap and and I guess a stereotype more than entertainment but because it's but, not just rap but we're, but, we're top, you know. We're yeah I know <laughs> I know but I'm just saying we're talented in other areas like we need to get back to to encouraging people to be doctors lawyers and things like that we need to get out of this mindset that talking proper or being smart is a white thing like that's that's stupid like we need to stop saying that I mean granted there are some things that we do make fun of that we be like, oh, that's a white thing, like eating eating your chicken without seasoning, like jokes like that. Like, okay, they can go apple picking but or something, like, you know? The structure, of, yeah, yeah, of going apple picking, yeah, but apple parasailing like, is good. Or um, parasailing. But the structure, the structure of of our communities need to be geared more to uplifting, and then we need to give back because. Regardless of, of how we may feel about white people holding us back, we still hold ourselves back to some degree as well. So it's a two-part thing. 
it's a two part thing. And 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 I I fear personally, I fear that a lot of people don't want to hear that about themselves as black people. They don't want to hear that the way they're living or acting is wrong. Um, and and I will say this too. I understand why why our culture is is rooted in violence and drugs. I, I get that because sadly, when when the eighties and early nineties hit, that's kind of how a lot of people had to make their money. We need to get to a point where we don't have to do that anymore. And and the people who do get to a point in their lives where they don't have to do that anymore, you typically see them living quote unquote white. I hate to give this example. Jay Z grew up a drug dealer. You think Jay Z living like that now? Hell no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, once Jay once Jay Z got to the point where he didn't need that shit no more, he gave it up and he went on and did bigger and better things. And then he he did bigger and better things for the people around him too. And and that's something that we got to start doing as well as 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 um as a culture. We have to do bigger and better things around ourselves as well we can't just depend on on legislation from from white people or or the government and things like that we have to do it ourselves at some point put boots on the ground work for it as well and 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 continue to fight that fight to where we get to that point where we we don't need that help anymore now the riots looting protests they have been the best reality tv um, that we I've seen in a long time because I don't watch it anymore. But it's it's been some very funny, amusing things in the midst of the chaos. Was there anything that stood out to you that was just crazy, absurd, or hilarious? Yeah, um, watching people run through the DTLR that I used to live over top of and knowing damn well. They didn't want that many size 13 shoes in there. <laughs> Those people was out there taking baby shoes, man. I was like, what are y'all doing? But the, the single most funniest thing was when they went into GameStop and didn't realize that all the games are locked up. They were taking the, the cases oh, off the no. show. There were no games in that. Idiots. They, they did that too, I think, with the icebox. Yeah. I think that's the jewelry place. And that they, I guess they store all the stuff in Atlanta for the rappers. But it was like, uh, what do you call it? What do you call fake jewelry? I forgot counterfeit. But that's not what you call it. But imitation of counterfeit or whatever. The jewels, it was just for display. Uh, my favorite moments were the lady, the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life, the lady at Target who went in her wheelchair to defend it with a knife and they hit her with the fire hose and spoiler alert or plot twist, she could actually walk. Um, that was the crazy thing. <laughs> and then Batman showing up at the protest was kind of wild. It just kind of fit everything. <laughs> it's just like a circus. And then I guess uh, the guy with his bow and arrow or whatever, I was, it's not a crossbow. I don't know that shit. But I, I guess it was a bow and arrow, but I put on IBN crossbow or whatever. But uh, the guy shooting the bow and arrow, there was one other thing I saw that was like really, really crazy. And I was like, wow. But uh, yeah, that, those are all. But the, the Target thing, at the Target, like that was... <laughs> That was that was a lot for me. That was wild. Yeah, the the target thing was forever funny because um, I had no idea, no idea that that lady could walk. And when he told me that, I, I really laughed. But but in the same breath, there are some sad stories, and I don't want to overshadow those either. In that situation with the the gentleman who lost his life in Louisville. 
uh, it, was, it was really tragic. And um, I think I saw that the police chief was fired because uh, the officer or one of the officers who fired um, the, the, their gun didn't have his body cam on. And, and again, that's unfortunate somebody lost their life, but that's progressive, which is sad to say, because there used to be a time where that just wouldn't have came into play. It wouldn't have mattered. And they would just chalk it up to it being an accident or, or found a way to say that he had a charge back when he was 17 or something stupid like that. But they took action, got rid of that cop. And, and again, I, I just wish that that we could better train our police. And, and I didn't touch on this, but I agree with you uh, with the idea of community policing. Um, that's what I call it, the community policing model, where you know the cop in your neighborhood, and the cop knows you, and the cop knows the neighborhood, and the cop can can talk to the people in the neighborhood. Like, when I was growing up in, in Lynchburg, when I was younger, and, and drugs were prevalent on Fifth Street, I knew my cop's name. I knew his face. I knew the officer. I knew their shifts. I knew all of that. When we were out playing, they talked to us. They, they came and, and shook our hand. They shot basketball with us, played tag with us, things like that. And I, I mean, the idea of, of them doing that didn't really hold any bearing on me. I mean, it's just, I mean, as a kid, you think cops are there to protect and all the things they tell you about them and they're nice and things, but they were getting to know the kids in the neighborhood. So when the drugs and stuff moved in, as, as we got older and stuff, those officers were able to intercept a lot of that and, and not do it through force of law, but through relationships they had built with the young men in the community. People listened to them, looked up to them, talked to them. They became uh, role models. They were coaches, and, and, and we used to have centers in Lynchburg where, where the kids would go after school if they didn't have anywhere to go, and they'd watch you and feed you and things like that and, and, and do structure games with you and give you some form of supervision. There was an investment in the community, and the drugs were not that bad. The issues in the community were not that bad in Lynchburg in the 80s and 90s when I was young. All that shit went away, bro. All that shit went away. I became a teenager, and it was like no man's land. Yeah, it was all kind of crazy shit going on. So, yeah. So, so that 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 investment in communities needs to happen on all levels, black and white. Like we need to put more money into that. And and let's face it, our time is is slowly winding down. We doing this shit for our kids, man, and their kids. Like that's to be the motivation for people. We want it to be a better world. I don't want to be in my 60s and 70s talking to my grandkids about the same fucking problems that I had. Like, if, if my granddad was alive right now, you know, we could talk and, and I would, we would pretty much have the same conversation based off of when he was growing up. I'm going through the same shit. We're just not getting hosed with, with you know, by firemen and, and, and dogs sicked on us, but the, pro- the progress that the culture has made has been very limited and it's still the same struggle against racism to get ahead. So, like, we have to, that's on us to fix that. Like, it has to start now. I agree. Um, I think I was gonna say if you had anything else to say, but I feel like that was your last parting shot. I don't have any words or wisdom. Yeah, yeah no, I'm frustrated. Um, <laughs> I'm just I, I'm frustrated, man. And like you're holding this rage that you constantly have, and now when I finally see that people are out there exploding in a way that I, for I, I'm 41, so I guess. When did I realize black was a thing, or you know, at least seven, eight, nine, ten? But for years 
of holding it in and see these people finally explode, just know that if you're a white person, we almost all feel like this, what they're doing. We just don't act on it. And that, my friends, should tell you a lot if almost every... Don't you feel the rage inside of you, Alan? Oh, I do. Yeah. So I'm just making I sure that he, I wasn't just saying for me. <laughs> so, but the fact that we, most of us don't act on it, but it's inside every single one of us almost, except for Russell Wilson. It, it, I love you, Russell Wilson, but still, <laughs> uh, that tells you something that we're all having this common experience. 99% of us and the, the one that might try to ignore it are the Candace Owens that just want to make money off of it. So anyway, I leave that with you in closing. Thank you for listening. Subscribe, support. Thank you for doing it today, Alan. Yeah, no problem, man. Anytime. And if anybody wants to talk to me, just know I'm going to be pretty pissed off. But you can inbox me. I won't take it out on you. <laughs> Same goes for me. All right, y'all. Have a great one.